Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Alma Histories and Mysteries. This week, we are going to go ahead and talk to some of our amazing alumni who are also faculty or staff at Alma College. Today with me, I have Alice Kramer. So Alice, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Sure. I am Alice Kramer. As you said, I'm a 2013 graduate of Alma College. So coming up on the 10-year anniversary of graduating, which is... Congrats. Thank you. Feels weird to say. <laughs> um, when I was a student, I majored in English and minored in biology and Spanish. So that's, I think, very much an Alma College story. Yeah, a lot of mix matching things. Yeah, I liked a lot of different things. And that's okay. I was primarily involved with my job as an RA and being in the Alma Choir. Um, so that's a lot of what I did when I was a student. And then I came back to work at Alma fall of 2013, right after I graduated. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And what did you do upon returning basically as soon as you graduated? Yeah, I started off as a hall director. Oh, okay. Um, so this was uh, a little bit different than what students see out of res life right now. Uh, it was under a slightly different structure. Okay. Um, so we had five hall directors. A lot of us were new professionals who were getting their start. Um, <laughs> So that was my role. I actually went straight back to the same RA staff that I had graduated from. Oh, that's kind of cool. It was kind of cool. It was a little bit weird, yeah. but it was also kind of a neat experience to like see the different sides of that role. Yeah. I bet. So you've been in res life my basically whole the whole time you've been at Alma College. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know what? I think that's admirable. You've probably witnessed a lot of changes yep. to res life as a whole. I know I'm an RA. Yep. So... What was the RA role like before when you were an RA, I guess? Yeah. So the core parts of the RA job haven't changed. It's all about building connections with your residents, mm -hmm. supporting your residents, um, having conversations and bringing people together. Yeah. The community bit. The community bit <laughs> and the duty bit. Yeah. Um, but those core pieces haven't changed. I think what's changed more is the structure that sits behind it like the yeah. supervisory structure and the departmental structure. Because when I was a hall director, like I said, we had five hall directors, one each for Gelston, Newbury, Mitchell, Bresky, and then one more for South. So oh, we okay. were building staff yeah. instead of experiences, which is pretty different from where we are now. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other piece is that we weren't residence life, we were student life. And each hall director mm. had what we called an ancillary position, which is basically like a professional side gig in the office. So for example, we had hall directors, we had one who focused on small housing, we had one who worked with ACUB and student activities, we had one who did student conduct, and I actually did work with Title IX um, as like the rest of my job. So we were all sort of like two-part yeah, professionals. Yeah, that's all very different very from different. how it's set up now. And I'd say even like when I first joined the RA role, I feel like even then it changed. Yeah. As how how we did things. And it still is changing. I, yeah. I think res life is something that has to kind of continuously change to suit student needs. Absolutely. I mean, I guess you can, if you talk to anybody else in res life, they've probably heard me say it before, but like if we're not adapting to meet students, we're not actually serving students. Yeah. Right? We're just being stagnant because yeah. students are constantly changing and that's good. That's the way the world evolves. Yeah. So we need to evolve and change with and we're facing a 
pretty big adaptation, I feel like, since COVID. Yeah. Like COVID, RAs were completely different <laughs> than yeah. RAs right now because we were yeah. just so limited. Yes. Yeah. Everything changed for that year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. um, and it was different from anything had been before. I think it'll still be different from anything that comes after. Oh, yeah. Because... You know, we hope to never be limited on our in-person capacity like that again. Yeah. I mean, that's the, to me at least, and from my experiences and from what I've heard from a lot of RAs, that's the joyful part of the job, right? Is Oh, definitely. I, like, as an RA in, like, the thick of COVID, like, not being able to talk to my residents or see my residents on a regular basis, I was like, I don't know any of you. I'm going to be right. honest. I barely know you. Yeah. I communicate with you via email. Yeah. But that community bit is, it's the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and it's like it's the core of it, right? Like yeah. even the duty piece is just all about that's about protecting the community mm -hmm. that we're building, but it's still about making sure that we have a good community. It's always about people. Yeah. So then what was Alma like as a whole when you were a student? Ooh. Alma at its core still felt a lot like how it feels today. Um, the buildings were older and not renovated or touched. <laughs> um, that was starting to show. And I have been really proud to see the investment that we've been able to put into that over these, yeah. over the decade, essentially. Um, the faculty and staff have obviously like evolved and changed as people retired and new people came in. But the core of what Alma is about, I think, is still consistent. It's about those like unique student experiences. It's about oh, being able yeah. to travel. And even though we're in our little Alma bubble, as we like to call <laughs> it, we're still always given those opportunities to go beyond. Right? So where did you go as a college student? Yeah. So um, I did a lot of U.S. travel with the choirs. Um, Makes sense. Yep. With the spring break <laughs> tours. Um my big international moment was going to London for spring term. Um, Fun. Yep. As an English major studying uh, medieval and Renaissance drama. Um, so starting in New York, studying like the Yorkshire mystery plays, and then making our way to London, focusing on Shakespeare. Like That sounds so fun. It was phenomenal. <laughs> I can't um, imagine. <laughs> yes. Um, one of my best friends was an English minor. We were able to like stay and do a lot of things together, which was lovely. Um, that was still one of the best things that, that I did. Yeah. I think Elma's really good at having that opportunity for travel that kind of sticks with you your entire life. Yes. Um, I went to Boston and I, I kind of felt the same. Like I got to be in an archive like yeah. a national archive. And I was like, oh my God, this yeah. is cool. And it's it's that kind of experience that like you can tie into what you're doing and what your dreams and your goals are. Yeah, I mean, as an English major, you got to go see places of like some of the greatest people. Yeah. That's we amazing. Got, we got to go to the globe, like and study Shakespeare in proximity to the globe. Like that's... what English major wouldn't want to do that. Exactly. <laughs> but it's it seems to be about linking students to those kinds of experiences yeah. and making those experiences happen um, and making those experiences in that kind of like getting off campus, making that accessible to students, right? Yeah. Um, thinking like I grew up in a tiny little town. I was fortunate to come from a background where 
I had been able to do some traveling prior to coming to Alma. I know that's not everybody, but making it so that even though we are spending most of our time here in small town Alma, Michigan, (laughs) we aren't just thinking on a small scale, right? We're we're thinking big, we're reaching big, and we're preparing our students to go out into a bigger world. Yeah. And that, I think, has always been part of who Alma is. No, I, I agree. I, I like I continue to see it as a student now. Yeah. Um, so then you mentioned that you basically went straight from student to faculty. What was that transition like? Yeah, it was really interesting, especially coming straight back to working with some people that I had worked with the year before as a peer. Yeah. And that's now a shift in roles. That relationship changed yeah. too. It had to. So there were a couple of different pieces there were just like being very conscious of how those relationships evolved, mm-hmm. both with people who I had known on a peer basis as my fellow students, and then also becoming the peer of some faculty and staff yeah. who <laughs> had known me as a student. Um, you know, that still pops up in weird ways. Somebody referred me by my maiden name <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, not too long ago. Um, in their defense, the voicemail on my cell phone is still my maiden name. I've been married for seven years. It's a personal issue. No, I need to fix it. It. <laughs> it takes time to do those things. The simplest things are the hardest to get to. And they're the ones you don't think about every day. No. I don't listen to my own voicemail recording. <laughs> um, but like letting those relationships evolve and thinking very carefully about those relationships too was really important. Like having that upfront conversation with people like until you graduate, we can't hang out the same way Yeah, because my role has changed and I've got to be careful for myself. And it's also probably a healthy thing to do anyway. Yeah. Um, There were some things that I was fortunate, like a lot of the people I was closest to graduated with me, my partner, who is now my my spouse, you know, also graduated with me. So we didn't have any of those uncomfortable moments. That's a good one. <laughs> yes, that, that was a great one. But, you know, just in some ways it, it shifted. Like there are people who were faculty and staff when I was a student who are now, I'm actually much closer to on a different way because we had that chance to become peers. Yeah. Um, and that's been really, really wonderful. I think the other lens of that, though, is just getting a different read and a different experience of Alma. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question of what are some things that you learned about Alma when you became faculty that you just didn't know about when you were a student? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've seen um, is understanding more of the why behind how some decisions are made. And especially, I think, as a student, you know, when all you're seeing is the impact of the decision and not all of the work and consideration and factors that were weighed in behind that decision. Um, So getting to see what that looks like, like, you know, when you open up the curtain and get to peek behind (laughs) a little bit and seeing, oh, so, you know, this isn't made in a vacuum. This, I've. I don't know that I've ever seen a decision made at Alma that was just a spur of the moment, unconsidered yeah, decision. Yeah, I, I think like even from a student side today, like we can tell that a lot does go into those decisions, but it's mm-hmm. like, dang, I don't <laughs> like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens. Yeah. But getting to see like a different lens on why those decisions get made. And I guess personally, one of my commitments as a faculty and staff, I think partly because of that switch from student to faculty and staff is... 
for every decision that I make, I want to be able to have a why that I could explain to a student. Mm. I, I think that's maybe one of the most beneficial things <laughs> that I've heard from somebody on faculty or staff is like, I want to tell you why this thing happened because I feel like we don't get that or we don't mm -hmm. feel like we get that a lot. So knowing that, you yeah. know, someone that I directly work under, like if I asked her a question, she's able to tell um, me why that decision happened you know, the way that privacy it did. different things. Yeah. So there's obviously different yeah, pieces and that we can't really yeah. share, but I should at least be able to articulate like there are some behind the scenes things that are incredibly private because they are affecting individuals yeah. that I cannot out and should not out. Like we, I, I should be able to at least articulate that there are those components to it, even yeah. if I'm not giving all of the detail. Well, and sometimes you don't even need to give all of the detail. Yeah. You just got to be able to say, this happened because of this. And that's that. Yep. Dry your hands and leave. Yep. These were the factors or these were the alternatives. And this one yeah. seemed like the best the one. The best option. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then what is one of your favorite things about Elma? Oh, this is going to sound cliche and cheesy and cliche. I think I just made up a word. That's okay. <laughs> um, I like it. <laughs> um, it. It's the people. Um, and that's a piece that, um, you know, I acknowledge that I have privilege and that because of a lot of my social identities, Alma is a setup, is a place that has always been set up to offer me belonging. Mm. Um, and, but it is a place where I've always found people who are, welcoming and passionate and caring and just invested in being a community. Yeah. And that's a piece that keeps me coming back day in, day out. I think the other piece that I like is that at Alma, we work hard, but we also make space to have fun. Yeah. And as that, that's true even for us as faculty and staff. Um, so that's one of the things that I, really enjoy like I love that I am excited to show up for work every day because I'm at a place with yeah. people that I like to be around and not everyone can say that like I like coming to work because I like everybody that I work with or I like most of the people that I work yeah. with so being able to say that I think says a lot about Elma as an institution yeah. because I think even when prospective students come here like the first thing that I noticed was oh my gosh everybody here is so nice and kind and I can tell that they put effort into everything that they do. Yeah. I actually only came to Alma because of a person. Oh, my gosh. Um, Alma wasn't on my radar as a possible school. But I had a student teacher mm. in choir who knew that I was looking at small schools and said, hey, I'm from a small school. Can I give you a tour? That's amazing. And she did. Now here I am. Now, <laughs> you. now you have a big, big job and you do big, big things. Yep, and uh, Almud has just kept me around. <laughs> I really like that for you. Yeah. That's like, I think, a lot of people's dreams. And you're able to live that. That's so cool. Yeah. So then we're going to get into our final question here. Okay. It is a couple of parts. Okay. Are you ready? I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> so what do you feel Alma College's mission or purpose is? Ooh. So aside from our mission statement, which <laughs> yes. is important, I think Alma, I think I kind of already said it already, but by giving students the opportunity to try big things, Alma prepares students to do big things. Yeah. Um, 
And that can be, and it prepares people to do big things in all kinds of different environments, right? So again, even though we're in a small town, we're getting people ready for the bigger, broader world. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that is, you know, getting to do research as an undergrad, whether that is getting to travel, whether that is, you know, having the financial support to do a cool internship that you might not have been able to do otherwise. Yeah. Like, I mean, our, our mission statement at Student Affairs is that we launch lives of purpose and passion. And I think that that also feeds into the college's mission. We're setting up our students to do big things because we give them a chance to try those things yeah. as students. And that's awesome. So then how has that purpose or mission impacted your life? Ooh. So the interesting thing, and this is part of my Alma story, is that I changed my career path spring break of my senior year. Oh my gosh. Late in the game. Yeah. Um, the end of the game. <laughs> really late in the game. Um, and I think part of it and part of the realization was that, yes, my classroom work was awesome. I still love the work that I did as an English major. But the experiences that I was having outside of the classroom also carried a lot of weight. Mm. And what actually like sealed the deal for me is I was on choir tour and we were doing homestays. <laughs> and they kept asking me like, what do you do? Because I was seeing like, what are you doing after graduation? Yeah, the big question. What do you do on campus? And I got slightly more excited talking about my work as an RA than oh. I did some of my other things. I'm like, this seems to be a sign. <laughs> I should maybe pay attention to this. <laughs> and when I got back, I went to talk to the person who was my hall director at the time and Dave Blanford and some others. And they were like, yes, let's let's see how we can get you set up to succeed. And then a position came open. I applied. Here I am. Um, but it was that like the fact that I felt comfortable enough to know that I had people who I could talk with about my options and that yeah. I could make some big changes really late in the game and still walk away with a feeling of excitement instead of panic. I think that's the biggest thing is that you <laughs> mentioned feeling excited yeah. about this thing yeah. instead of, oh my God, I'm graduating. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, there, I mean, there was a, there was a very strong side dish of that, but <laughs> it happened, but like there, there's still that excitement. And I feel like there are plenty of people who are graduating who don't necessarily have that excitement and still feel very, very lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, again, you had those connections. Mm-hmm. You were excited to do these things and you were able to be like, okay, this is my path now. Yeah. Let me get the support that I need. Yeah. And now look where you are. Yeah. Well, and I think the other piece about Alma that I love, and it's partly because of the liberal arts and the depth of the, like the curriculum and the classes is mm-hmm. that I could make that change. And I still had skills that I could take with me into a different context. Yeah. So I wasn't just so narrowly tailored into my little box that I couldn't expand outward. And I still use the skills and the knowledge that I learned from my Alma education. Yeah. I just apply it in a way that I didn't think that I would when I learned it. So that's another awesome way that I think Alma sets people up to do great things because we're learning things that even if in the moment we don't see the direct application, <laughs> chances are at some point it'll circle back. And I think the even bigger thing is that it's stuck with you yeah, for that long sometimes. Yeah. Like to know that somebody that you had a class with, a professor had that big of an impact on you, even later in your life in a mm-hmm. way that you didn't expect. 
Yeah. Like, I think that speaks volumes about the education that we get here. Absolutely. So then do you feel that Elma achieves this mission or purpose as a whole? I do think so. And that also comes from not just looking at my own life, but mm-hmm. looking at you know, the people that I graduated with, the people that I knew as students or my fellow alums and what they've done. Just about everybody that I know has had multiple job changes, changes in path, just changes from where I think they would have envisioned themselves at the time of graduation. Mm -hmm. But every single one of them is still thriving. And that, I think, is pretty powerful that, you know, regardless of where you think you're going to be during your four years and at the time of graduation, what Alma gives you is this the tools to deal with those changes in the different seasons of life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's, that's part of that setting people up to do big things because you don't necessarily know what the big thing is going to (laughs) be when you're 22 or whatever age you are when you graduate. (laughs) No, like you said, it's just, it's a launching us. I think that's the biggest thing is that like, might not use it now, but you might use it 10, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And that's the important part yep. is that you're still going to end up using it. Mm-hmm. Or you'll have the critical thinking and the skills to go out and learn what you need to learn. Yeah. And learning how to learn is its own kind of magic. Oh, yeah. I don't think I learned how to learn until I got to Elma. And now I'm like, oh, that was the secret. Yeah. This is more <laughs> than just like rote memorization for a standardized test. This is, yeah. I'm, I'm actually absorbing this. And doing something with it. Well, do you have any other comments, stories, experiences that you'd like to share here? Um, can I go off on a tangent? Absolutely. So this is one of my like, because this is a history podcast and pull me back in if I get too far in the weeds. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things that I did when I was in my master's program for higher adult and lifelong education at mm-hmm. MSU, we had to do an archival research project um, in higher ed history. We had to use the archives at MSU. But because I was also working at Alma at the time, I decided oh, to do a comparative you, project. You had access to two archives. I did. And I decided to do a comparative project. And so I dove back into MSU's archives and Alma's archives. And I did a focus on gender-based policies at both institutions from their founding through like about 1960. Oh, my gosh. Or maybe 1970. It was around the founding of Title IX, which shifts landscapes um yeah. but looking at those like first big blocks how did they handle being co-ed institutions basically yeah um so i dived into like student handbooks and all of that but because of that i learned some really cool tidbits about alma like share them did you know that we used to have a specific policy around serenading because it was such a part of our culture that's so funny yeah like in the 1960s, in the student <laughs> handbook, that serenading was only allowed during these specific hours on these days of the week because it was such a part of like oh my the culture here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So how long did we stay, if you know, how long did we stay like different buildings, like separated male, female? That's relatively recent. Okay. So um, Newberry was an all-woman's building. Until I think right before I started as a student. Oh my gosh. Um, so relatively recent. And even when I was a student, most of our buildings were gender segregated by floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Bresky, that would be by pod. Okay. Um, 
in Galston or Newberry Mitchell, it was like per floor. Okay. Um, so, for example, in Newberry, it was first and second floor were all women. Third floor and basement were all men. Um, yeah. That is crazy to think of. Yes. <laughs> Part of it was driven, and this is like some of the behind the scenes stuff, so it was driven by architecture because before mm. renovations, we had true community bathrooms that okay. were designated men's and women's. Mm-hmm. So because of bathroom access, <laughs> we had to make some decisions about gender. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's another really big shift. Cool, is like, yeah. And we had a hall director actually who really pushed for and advocated for gender inclusive bathrooms. And that sparked basically all of the changes that we made as we renovated to be able oh to gosh. go fully co-ed. I love that. Yeah. So just, there's really interesting things. And I mean, the summary of my research from both MSU and Alma is that, shockingly, as a religious institution, Alma was actually more gender inclusive comparatively for the times than MSU. You know what? That makes sense. My my grandma almost went to MSU. Yeah. And she couldn't because the war ended. Oh. And all the men came back and they had top priority. Yeah. So despite my grandma being valid Victorian, she couldn't go. Yeah. Whereas I know Alma was still... Okay, come on in. Yep. Welcome to the education. Yeah. Here's here's what you need. Here's yeah. your books. Here's your room. Yeah. Uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think some of that, what I uncovered in the research was that um, because Alma's mission was to prepare graduates of, at the time, what they called both genders, which is <laughs> the times, the time. not the current times, um, to prepare graduates of both genders to like, you know, go out into the world, basically. Yeah. Um, some of that was related back to the faith work and mm-hmm. different kinds of things. But I just thought that was really interesting. That No, I would, if you have a copy of it still. I might in an old Google Drive. I'll have to go look. I would appreciate that. Yeah. I really, I really <laughs> like reading research, oddly enough, as yeah. a history student. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I haven't looked at that paper in a long, long time. But it was really interesting what, just looking back in those old student handbooks to get that perspective on what life was like. So what was the oldest ago. handbook that you found? Uh, close to our founding. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's so cool. Yeah. What did you find of MSU? Similar. Oh yeah. my god. Because yeah. basically, ah. as long as as long as the institutions have existed, there have been codes of conduct. There yeah. Have been rules and yeah, that it makes sense lot. that they keep them. I guess yeah. the back of my brain is like somebody must have like accidentally thrown something out at some point. No, they they store one at least one copy. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so happy that you got to go and like, <laughs> look through and see those yeah. things. Did yeah. you, was it like original text or was it? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Hard copies. Just... Those are the best. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great time. Oh my gosh. You, that was, yeah. That would have been a great project. <laughs> <laughs> it was super fun. I enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> um, but yeah, just getting to like dive into Thomas history. Um, you probably know that Bresky used to be two towers. Yes. Um, before it was renovated. So it was still a maze, um, but there was just a wall in the middle of the maze on each floor. And mm. it, in order to go from third floor of the North Tower to third floor of the South Tower, there were no doors in the middle. You actually had to go all the way down through the lobby and back up to the other tower. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is a real bummer if you climb the wrong set of stairs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the number of fridges that got carried up to the wrong tower on moving day was a real... It was an unfortunate oh, situation. Gosh. Um, anyway, connecting the towers was a good thing. But what I learned in the research <laughs> is that the reason why it was built that way, Bresky was the first co-ed building on campus. Oh. And one tower was women. 
one tower, tower was men. men. And the only way that the two could meet was in the lobby. You know what? Go on them for design of like being sure that like they were still separated but had a place to meet. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Just, yeah. Architecture like, even. Now I understand why that building was is structured the way that it was. This... And it's still a maze. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to this day. We just found a way to integrate the maze. <laughs> a little bit better. You know, you don't have to go up three floors, down three floors, up yeah. three floors. Yeah. Yeah. My partner lived on Dombrowski our first and second year. And it was a relief when he moved down floors. Yeah. That's a high. Yeah. Yeah. I would go up there freshman year to see some of my friends. And at one point I was like, I'm not. <laughs> coming up and seeing you anymore that's way too much yeah 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 we we trade off i called up my workout for the day when i went up to visit him but <laughs> yeah that's valid yeah. i would have as well yep. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else that you want to say to any of our listeners okay no just it's it, and it's the cliche but like enjoy it while it's here like yeah it, it can get really easy to get caught up in like the day-to-day this is due and I'm stressed and there's a lot but it's, it's still a magical four years yeah. and sometimes the things that you remember at the end are those little moments just hanging out with people or those types of things so yeah. it's worth savoring those moments when you have them well thank you so much yeah. for joining us today alice and thank you guys for listening i know this is probably going to be a long one but we appreciate you so we will go ahead and see you next week 